going to go to Exodus chapter number 32. Exodus chapter number 32. We're going to read a few verses, and then I'm going to give you some introduction, and then we'll go back tonight to Exodus chapter number 32. So what is happening in this passage is when Moses didn't come down right away from the mountain, we see the children of Israel make themselves a golden calf and worship this calf. And so God says some things to Moses, and we see the interaction between God and Moses, and we see some things. And does prayer change God's mind? If you pray real hard for something, can you change God's mind? And the answer should be pretty clear and pretty easy to figure out, but some people don't quite get this one. And I think that it just has to do sometimes with some of the wording we find. This passage will help us understand this better tonight. And so as we look here and as we go through this, I want it to be a help to you. And so we look at Exodus chapter 32 and look with me down at verse number 7. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Now, this is pretty interesting, to say the least, because if you look at this, Moses doesn't know what's going on down below right now. God says, hey, Moses, go to thy people that you've brought out. Go down because there's a problem. They have turned aside quickly out of the way, which I have commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let us alone, let my wrath, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Pretty interesting right there, isn't it? And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with great might? Wherefore shouldest the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and sayest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. So you could look at that passage of Scripture... And there are some that say Moses changed God's mind on what he was going to do. But we're going to look a little deeper at this passage tonight. And I'm going to explain to you over the next little bit, does prayer change God's mind? I'm going to give you an answer at the beginning. And I'm going to show you where my answer comes from. And then we will go on with the night. Father, we need you tonight. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for scripture. I pray that you'd help us tonight, help us as we study this, help us see what you have for us. 
I pray that you would help us. We need you and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Questions come. Questions need to be addressed as properly as we can because it's easy to become confused when you have questions that don't get answered. Some kids answered a few Bible questions, and these were their answers. What are the first three books of the Bible? And one child said this, Genesis, Exodus, and Laxatives. He was just a little bit off on the right answer to that one. What happened to Lot's wife? One child said Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. Just a little bit off on that answer right there. And uh, another child was asked about, tell me about Solomon. Solomon was one of David's sons. He had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. And that's not quite how it was. It was concubines, not porcupines. And so, and so some of you, well, you knew that, right? Okay, I didn't just surprise him. Okay, that's good. And then what's the greatest miracle in all the Bible? And one child said this, the greatest miracle in the Bible is when Joshua told his son to stand still for the whole day, and he obeyed his dad. And uh, what happened was Joshua asked the son, S-U-N, to stay up for the battle they were in, and it stayed up. But sometimes you can get a little confused on things. And so it is, people have questions, and, so, and then you got to find answers, and the bad thing is with the internet today, you can find a lot of bad answers, you can find good answers, and where do you find, what, how do you make sense of all of it? And so, I want to give you the three purposes behind questions in the Bible, as we dive in tonight. Some say, you know, it's hard to tell, ancient Hebrew, ancient Greek, it's hard to tell because they didn't use punctuation. So Bible scholars estimate there are about 3,300 questions in the Bible. And so what are the purposes behind questions in the Bible? The first, and you think about this, this is what questions can do. Some are good, some are bad. The first one is this, that questions can create doubts. Think about the first question in the Bible. What was the first question in the Bible? Anybody know? And so, yea, hath God said. Satan was the first one to ask a question to cause doubt in Eve's mind. So questions can create doubt. And you, you think about there in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1, he said, yea, hath God said. And literally everything went downhill for the human race right at that time. So questions can create doubts. Second thing is this, questions can lead to discovery. We see the first question asked by Satan. Does anybody know the first question asked by God in the Bible? Where art thou? Who was he talking to? Adam and Eve. Did God know where they were? Did he? Why would he ask the question then? See, see what they say. <laughs> he knows where they are. And we see that after they sinned, they were hiding from God. And God asked them the question, where art thou? The question was for their benefit. And shows how God seeks to restore the relationship with him. 
questions not only can cause doubts at times, but questions can help us discover truths as evident. This is what happened with Job. You look at the end of the book of Job. God asked Job 70 questions in the final chapters of the book of Job. Pretty crazy. But questions can lead to discovery. Then number three, questions can equip disciples. The Bible records men and women of faith asking questions. We just talked about two Sundays ago. Master, carest thou not that we perish? And the Lord used that to teach them quite a lesson. What we know about God and what I want you to understand as we dive in tonight, can prayer change God's mind? As we think about this tonight, the Bible tells us in Revelation 22, verse number 13, I am Alpha and Omega, Jesus Christ. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That means God is everywhere and everything, right? So he knows the past, he knows the present, and he knows the future. Because he's always been and he always will be. You see that there in that verse? The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 31, As for God, his way is perfect. It's impossible for God to improve on anything that he's done. Because his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a butler to, the butler to the, all those that trust in him. You see, it's, God cannot improve on anything that he does. Everything he does in his way is perfect. So does prayer change God's mind? I'm going to give you a sentence for my answer. No, it does not. Prayer isn't about changing God's mind. But prayer is about changing my mind so that my will lines up with his will. I'll repeat that for you. No, prayer does not change God's mind. Because his way is perfect. Because God knows everything past, present, future. And prayer isn't about changing God's mind. It's about changing my mind so that my will lines up with his will. So we read this passage here in Exodus chapter number 32. When Moses went up to the mountain... The people made an idol, a golden calf. They went wild and fulfilled all their wildest pleasures and possibilities. All wickedness took place during this time. And, and what happens is God warns Moses and says, you need to get down from here because those people that you've taken have sinned greatly against me. In response to God's warning... We see in verse number 11 and 12, it says, And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy, thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which, hath brought forth, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? 
Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. God warns Moses about what's taking place. In response, Moses takes on the role of the mediator here and pleaded for God to show mercy to the children of Israel. Now, we look and we read verse 14, and we see the Bible says, And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. The Lord repented. We think of repenting, and we think about repentance for salvation, right? What does repenting mean? To turn from or to change your mind about something, correct? But then God and Moses complicate matters just a little bit more for us. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. What did it say back in verse 14 of this chapter in Exodus? The Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. But Numbers tells us that God's not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Do we have a contradiction in the Bible? God doesn't repent, the Bible says, but God repented of the evil he was going to do to the children of Israel. There's a few thoughts I want to give you, and I'm going to break this down, and no, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. Our understanding is the problem. I'm going to help you understand tonight what is taking place here. But as we do that, I need to give you three points to help you understand this thing about that prayer doesn't change God's mind. Number one, God's purposes are unchanging. No change is possible in God because God is absolute perfection. Anybody want to argue that tonight? So then why, how can we change God's mind if his way is perfect, if his purposes are unchanging? Someone put it like this, A.W. Pink said this, he captured it in this way, he said, God cannot change for the better, for he's perfect. And being perfect, he cannot change for the worse. The Bible makes it clear, Malachi 3, 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 46, verse number 9 and 10, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Moses did not change God's mind that day because God's purpose and plan is perfect. Say, well, God changed his mind, the Bible says right there. I'm going to help you understand that a little better in a minute. 
and you're going to see a few things tonight. You got to understand, you got to be very careful. Don't ever try to demand anything of God. Because God will not be manipulated or forced into action by anyone because he's God. See, tonight, prayer isn't about changing God's mind. It's about changing my mind so my will lines up with his will. God's purposes are unchanging. That's a Bible truth. And to answer this question tonight, you have to have a foundation. To start with the foundation, you've got to understand the fact that God's purposes do not change. Number two, God's plans are unfolding. What do I mean by that? The text here of Exodus says that God changed his course of action based on Moses' prayer. That's what we see. But I want you to understand something here. Let me help you out a little bit. The irony of this passage is that it, God is the one who tells Moses to go down and deal with the situation. Moses didn't even know what was going on. You see verse number 7 there? And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down. For thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Moses didn't know the people's perversion, so God had to show him. Now, everything, now we think about what Moses pleaded with God. Do you realize everything that Moses pleads with God for the children of Israel is already what he promised to the children of Israel? Look at verse number 13. This is what does God need to be reminded of anything? You and I need to be reminded of things, right? I know some of you need to be reminded it was Wednesday, so you knew to come to church tonight, right? You're welcome for that text this afternoon. Sometimes we got to be reminded because we forget. God never has to be reminded about something that he says. But look at, but who needed to be reminded at this time? Moses did. Moses tells God, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel? Thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever? Do you see what's happening here? God is taking Moses into the situation so he could see the problem that God already knew about. God already knew he made a promise. God already knew he couldn't destroy these people. God had all this figured out long before Moses ever did. So Moses' prayer itself is a result of God's plan for Israel right God wanted Moses to ask this. So he sovereignly puts him in a situation where he asks for it. It's a Wednesday night. I know most of your brains turned off before you even walked in the door tonight. So let me repeat myself to help you out. What is happening here? 
God put Moses into a situation so he would see the problem God already knew about. God wanted Moses to remember God's promises and to petition God to change his course of action for him. Moses' prayer itself is a result of God's plan. God wanted Moses to ask for this because God knew he wouldn't destroy the children of Israel because his plan is perfect. This was all a part of God's plan. God was working on Moses. So that, and because you know what's going to happen? This is not going to be the only time that Moses gets frustrated with the children of Israel, is it? No, 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 no. There, he's going to get frustrated many times. But God had to get Moses on the same page he was on. And God used this situation to let that work here. You got to understand, prayer isn't about changing God's mind. It's about changing my mind so that my will will line up with God's will. If God doesn't change, and yet he tells us to pray, then prayer matters, but how does prayer matter then? If we can't change God's mind, why pray? Because you got to understand something, number three. These things we got to remember. God's promises are unleashed when we pray. Moses' prayer mattered here. Am I correct? Did it matter? Did Moses' intercession here matter? It did matter. It did matter. And so as we look here, and uh, you think about other times. Remember how Moses, with, when he was doing the plagues in Egypt, Exodus 8, verse number 13, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. You see how God answered the prayer of Moses? So God did. And what you got to understand is this. God's promises are unleashed when we pray. God has his plan. God has his will. And as we look at this, you got to remember what the Bible tells us in the New Testament. James 4, verse number 2. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have, and ye cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. You can think about James 5, 17. Confess your faults one to another, that ye may be healed. Oh, and pray for one another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You see, what you got to understand is this. Prayer is all about God has his plan. And prayer is to help us get to where our will lines up with his. That's what prayer is about. So God says he'll answer my prayer if it's in his will. So what if it's not in God's will? We'll talk about that in a few minutes when we look at Jesus and his response. Now, to help you out, to go back to a thought, and some of you, a lot of you are giving me a look like you're kind of confused and not all there. You just got to pay attention to what I'm saying. You'll be just fine. I know it's a Wednesday night, but um, we go back to Exodus 32, verse 14. 
When we think about that verse and it says, The Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. You will not hear words like this out of my mouth very often, but you're going to hear this word out of my mouth tonight. The Bible tells us, we read in Numbers, how God does not repent as a man does. I was not there when the writers, the King James writers, penned these words. I would also say that they have way more knowledge than I would about language. But I think they used a very poor word for repent. You could go back to Genesis chapter number 6. I think we have that. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. When we think of the word repent, the biblical meaning, the Hebrew word, and I'm probably going to butcher the Hebrew word. That's why I would, they know better than me because they can pronounce it back in those days. I can't even pronounce it. But um, it's pronounced something to this um, N-A-C-H-A-M is the Hebrew word. How would you say that, Ryan? You got any clue? Yeah, it sounds like you're hawking, hawking something there. So that's how you would say that word. When you study that word out, you'll see that one of the final meanings for that word is to repent. That's one of the final meanings. It has lots of meanings to it. And, you know, relent would be a better word. Regret. The Lord regretted that he made man. Not that the Lord repented, changed his mind. Because that's not what this passage is talking about. You could look at... um, Back at our text in Exodus 32, verse 14. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do. The Lord, you know, another way you could say that, he relented of that. He didn't change his mind. A good example of that would be the book of Jonah. Go with me to Jonah 3, verse number 10. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil ways. So the people repented, right? They turned from their evil ways. And God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. You got to understand something. It's not that God changed his mind. Because the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 18.8, if that nation against whom I have pronounced Turn from their evil, I will repent, relent of the evil that I thought to do to them. That word repent that is used there, it's kind of like a, hear me sighing right there? It's the literal meaning of the word. It's literally what it means. You know, your kids do something really bad. You're ticked. And they're about to get World War III unleashed on them. And then, they, and then you shouldn't discipline them in anger. And they come up and say, I, I'm, Mom, I love you and I'm sorry. <sighs> that right there, it's literally what the word means. 
what it means. God didn't change his mind on anything. God just didn't do it. So the Bible never contradicts itself. Now, probably, and my best guess here would be that in the early English, the word repent had multiple meanings different than what we see it today, and that's where it's hard for us sometimes to look at words and to fully understand what they mean. And so when we look at this, you've got to understand something. Does prayer change things? Prayer does change things. Would you agree? Does prayer change God's mind? No, because God's mind and his will is already planned. You cannot change God's mind. But God can change you to be in accordance with his mind. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense. Some of, I still got some weird looks from some, from some of you. Even my wife's giving me one of those looks tonight. I'm trying to figure out what she's not getting. I'm trying, so I'm trying in my mind to figure out how I can bring this down just a little bit further. And so maybe it was jury duty for you. I don't know what it was. But prayer isn't about changing God's mind. It's about changing my will so that my will lines up with his. This is how Jesus prayed. And this is the pattern we see from him. Mark chapter 14, I'm going to have you go there, and I'm going to finish up here tonight and hopefully help some more of you figure this out here, all right? I'm not going to mention any other names that I see in the room, but we'll leave that alone. Go to Mark chapter 14. If you want to have your Bible there, you want to look at the verse here. It says, verse number 35, And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed, that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. When Jesus, this is right before he's going to die on the cross, when Jesus sees and senses the sum of what's going to happen, and I don't believe that Jesus was trying to get out of this because of the pain that he was going to endure. I think of him being the son of God and putting all the sin of mankind on him that's what this was about. That's my personal opinion here. He said, if it were possible, no, go back. If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. This is what he prayed. In the midst of all this, I love the next verse. It says, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. He's literally saying, Dad, father the relationship that he had and aren't you glad to know today and we got father's day coming up and things and maybe your dad's not the greatest dad in all the world whatever the case may be but if you're a child of god tonight we can cry abba father because of what the lord has done for us in our lives and what a blessing that is but we keep on reading verse 36 does the rest of it show up there on the screen let's take our bibles because i think it misses a little bit on there mark chapter 14 I want you to see exactly what I'm talking about right here. Mark 14. And you look there at verse number 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not 
what I will, but what thou wilt. The cup. That cup's figurative. The cup of God is symbolized in different ways. The cup of God could be God's blessing on something. And it's mentioned in the book of Psalms. But it's also used about the wrath of God, that cup. So the cup contained joy. The joy would be all of us being with him forever and settling sin's debt. But that cup also referred to the judgment that he was going to pay for us. And Jesus, what he is saying in this passage is, if there's another way, let me do it that way. And not put all the sin of mankind on myself. Jesus anticipates this cup of sin, suffering, sacrifice, separation. And he verbalizes his submission to the Father's plan. Look at what it says there. Look, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Both those phrases, not what I will, but what you will, are emphatic. Jesus is voluntarily and resolutely lining up his will under the Father. That is the ultimate goal in prayer that we see with Jesus right here. His prayer, he prays this again in Mark chapter 26, verse 42. And it tells us there, do you have that verse? Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. You notice the first time he prayed, he said, if it be possible... Now he says, if this cup may not pass from me, what you see is, then the first request, he longs for that cup to be taken away from him. The second one, he mentions drinking it. He's basically saying, I'm going to do, I want what you want. Two things about prayer that we need to know. And that's important. The first one is this. With Jesus, he stated his own desire. This is what I want. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. So he states his own desire, and then he submitted his desires to the Father. Not my will, but your will be done. What God did that day with Moses, God's plan, God was not going to destroy the children of Israel. But Moses needed to get to the point in his life where he prayed and mediated for the children of Israel so that he and God could be together on the same page. Prayer is not about you changing God, but prayer is about our wills coming in line with his will. And it doesn't always start out that way. You see, Jesus, if it be, you know, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. By the time he's done praying in his second prayer, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. Moses was going to have a lot of time with those people. This was just the beginning. You think it's bad that he's gone for a few days. Wait till they start wanting something to drink. 
wait till they complain because they don't have certain things. Then they're going to complain every other day. But you see, what you got to understand is God already knew what was going to happen with the children of Israel. Say, so there's no need for me to pray. There is a point to your prayer. Prayer matters. Prayer, what it does, it unleashes God's promises. We talked about this. But they're in accordance to God's will. So the thing that happened here was God and Moses got on the same page. And God answered Moses' prayer because Moses asked God to do it in God's will. What was God's purpose? To destroy the children of Israel? No. So let's say this happened. And some of you are still giving me this look, so I'm trying to help you out just a little bit more. So let's say Moses told God, you know what? Destroy them. I don't want them. Would God have done that? Why? Because it wasn't his will. So why did God answer Moses' prayer to remember these things and to spare the children of Israel? Because it was God's will. And I still got a lot of blank stares in the room. How many of you don't quite understand yet what I'm talking about? Just raise your hand. Let me see. Abby, you don't you don't get it. So, so I'll do my I'll I'll think a little bit harder for you and help you answer that just a little bit more. And so, if you got more questions on this, we're at the end of the lesson tonight. The answer is prayer does you cannot change God's mind because His way is perfect and He does not change. All things He doesn't change. Moses did not change God's mind that day. Moses would have changed God's mind if Moses would have said, God, destroy them. God said, okay, I'll do it. Then he would have changed his mind, right? But Moses' will lined up with what God's will already was. So God didn't change his mind. Prayer can change things, but prayer does not change God's mind. God's mind and God's will is set. And if you need more help with that, I'll help you later. Father.